Have you tried changing your health year on year, resolving that this year things are going to be different, but nothing seems to change? Oftentimes, when things are not changing, we are following many wellness myths and not looking at the full picture, including our nutrition, recovery, stress management, leaving out mind-body connection. I want to introduce you to Wellness Redefined, a new podcast from Refillion Media that's here to dispel all your myths about wellness and fitness while sharing stories of how we redefine what it means to be healthy. On each episode, we'll be talking to experts from all walks of life who will share their own unique wellness journey and offer their perspective. I am your host, Tamika Rochester, founder and CEO of Harlem Cycle, a premier wellness space in New York City with a focus on indoor cycling. I've been an advocate for wellness since as early as I can remember. So if this sounds like something that could help change your life, go ahead and pause the show you're listening to and subscribe to Wellness Redefined on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, listeners, and welcome to another episode of Invisible Hate. This is Sadia Khan. And I'm Asad Bhatt. For our new listeners, welcome to the show. Invisible Hate is a weekly podcast where Asad and I look at probable hate crimes and determine whether a person was targeted for their identity. Now, some of you may think, why is it important to talk about hate crimes? So there are a number of reasons. The way we see it, these crimes harm the individual victims and create a climate of fear and mistrust in the affected community. And we've seen that with all the cases that we've discussed so far. Further, hate crimes can be indicators of a more profound systemic issues of prejudice and discrimination within a society. No surprises there. And addressing them can really help to promote social justice and equality. That is exactly why we want to focus on these crimes or probable hate crime cases on this podcast. And lastly, talking about hate crimes can bring attention to the problem and help to raise awareness of the need for increased education and prevention efforts. So Invisible Hate is also a tool that gives you information so that you can use it for a more holistic, equitable and kinder society. And now to today's case. Sandeep Dhaliwal, a sheriff's deputy in Harris County, Texas, was shot and killed in the line of duty on September 27, 2019. According to reports, Deputy Dhaliwal had pulled over a vehicle for a routine traffic stop when the driver, later identified as Robert Solis, shot him multiple times. Deputy Dhaliwal was wearing a body camera at the time of the incident, which basically recorded the shooting. He was taken to a local hospital where he later died from his injuries. What was Solis's motive? Was it a hate crime or something else? That's what we are here to find out. This is Invisible Hate. Harris County is the largest county in the greater Houston area with a sick population of about 15 to 20,000 today. 
biggest in Texas. In September of 2019, 42-year-old Sandeep Thaliwal is out patrolling a residential neighborhood in his beat. Thaliwal, a father of three known for being a friend to everyone, a jokester and an exceptionally good human, loves his job as a deputy and interacting with his community so much so that he turns down the opportunity to become a sergeant despite passing the exam because he doesn't want to sit behind a desk. He's also the first Durban Sikh police officer in the state and has become incredibly beloved by fellow residents and officers during his 10 years on the force. His decision to join the police department, in fact, is entirely based on the Sikh tenant of public service and a desire to improve law enforcement's understanding of the Sikh community following some negative incidents. And listeners, we will come back to Sikh tenants of public service. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about yeah the Sikh community and their, their belief system. It's 12.23 p.m. when Dhaliwal observes a driver running a stop sign and pulls him over in a cul-de-sac. He approaches the driver, 47-year-old Robert Solis, and Solis's friend Jennifer Size in the passenger seat. And this is something that Thaliwal has done with drivers many times before. I am sure you've been pulled over for speeding or some other reason. I have been. What do you think, Asad? Have you been pulled over? It depends if my parents are listening or not, Sadia. Oh. Yes. No, I've been pulled over a couple times. Not too often, but yeah, I've definitely been pulled over. And it's always a, a scary experience, no matter what you've done. So if you don't mind my asking, is it for speeding? Uh, yeah, you know, once or twice for, you know, going over the speed limit, once for taking a right turn on red. And hmm. I think those are the only ones that come to mind. Huh, I've been pulled over numerous times because of speeding. <laughs> I need to stop doing that. Sadia, I had no clue that you were a speedster. I am. I am. Which you're is a mother. Me. You got to drive safely. You got kids in the <sighs> back seat. Yeah, you're absolutely right. But I don't. And to all the <laughs> listeners don't speed. It's not a good thing and you will get tickets. But anyways, coming back to the case, according to dashcam footage, the conversation appears to play out like any routine traffic stop. Thaliwal speaks to Solace for approximately two minutes without any sign of hostility from either side. The driver's side door is open for part of the conversation, but Thaliwal simply closes it and continues to talk now, I said this is surprising to me because normally when people are pulled over, as I said, I have been a few times, I would never open the door, even like open it slightly. Uh, that would, wouldn't even cross my mind. I mean, you know, when I have been pulled over, when I've been in the car, when other people have been pulled over, I am very serious. You know, hands are, you know, on the steering wheel, you know, up, trying to be as polite because you just never know what could happen. Right. And this, to me, looks a bit suspicious, right? Again, I don't know whether in Texas it's normal for people to open the door when they're getting pulled over or anything like that. But just as for someone who grew up in the Northeast, lives on the West Coast now, it's just something that I would never do. Absolutely. Then Dhaliwal heads back to his patrol car, presumably to check Solis's license and registration. Again, something very normal. At which point... Solis immediately 
exits his vehicle, runs up to the deputy with a gun out, orders Dalival to raise his hands while shoving him against the car and fires two shots in the back of the head at close range. Solis flees in his vehicle as a nearby resident hears the shots and runs to help. Police release a dash cam photo of Solis to fellow officers and he's arrested within two hours. Again, this seems so bizarre to me. He's shot a police officer and he remains within a quarter mile radius from the scene as if nothing happened. Right, exactly. As if he wanted to get caught. Right. Anyways, he has evidently been running around a nearby Kroger parking lot, then waiting in an ice cream shop for nearly half an hour when he's picked up. Yeah, I mean, who knows what his mental state was and, and what was going through his head. And I always go back to putting myself in the position of the perpetrator. But if I did something like this, I would get in the car and start going as far away as possible, right? right. And so, yeah, it, it's interesting that he stayed local and, and tried to essentially blend in as if nothing happened. As if nothing happened. Haliwal is flown to Memorial Hermann Hospital by Medivac, but does not survive his injuries. So sad. Absolutely. So let's talk about the victim first. That's what we do. We want to honor the victim and start with his background. So Dhaliwal was born in Punjab and moved to States with family when he was young. He initially tried to assimilate by shaving beard and removing turban, which I think is a huge deal asset, right? Oh, certainly. Like a lot of kids that move to the States when they're young, you want to blend in and anything that is, you know, quote unquote, different, you don't want to stand out. And and that's, that's what it seems like he was doing when he was young. Exactly. And he was once told he could only mop floors because of his poor English and vowed to prove this wrong. We've talked about microaggressions targeted at us, Asad, and our families. And this is, again, another example of how these microaggressions can have a huge impact on people. There's no doubt. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about Sikhism, the religion itself, and what it preaches. And I know, Asad, you've done some research. So Let's begin by talking a little bit about Sikhism's tenets of service. Can you do a deep dive for us? The Sikh tenets of service are known as Seva. It is a core principle of the Sikh faith and involves selfless service to others, particularly those in need. Um, this can include things like volunteering at a soup kitchen, helping to build a community center, or providing assistance to the elderly or disabled. Hmm. The goal of Seva is to serve others without expecting anything in return and to do so with humility and compassion. Additionally, it is also an essential practice of spiritual growth and self-improvement. You know, Sadi, I'm not a particularly religious person, but this sounds like a pretty cool part of the Sikh faith. And I said, it seems like Deputy Dhaliwal was doing exactly that, right? 
And I have some interesting facts. So he started off working at Kroger. So this was not his first career choice. Then as businessman, but found his calling after hearing the county sheriff speak at a Sikh temple in 2009, following an incident where deputies mistook a Sikh family that had been burglarized for the criminals when kirpans, small swords that Sikhs carry, were found at the house. By the way, we saw this with a recent incident that happened, I believe, in Texas. And at some point, we will cover that case. Anyways, coming back to this, Sheriff at the time apologized and wanted to change the department from the inside out. And that's when Thaliwal decided to represent the Sikh community and open up the conversation. How incredible is that, Asad, to do that and to offer your services for the betterment of the greater community? It is a really remarkable, you know, story. I think all of us want to be inspired in that way in our careers. And his reaction to what had happened could have been, you know, across the gamut from negative to positive. And, and look at him, you know, amazing that that he decided that he wanted to be a part of the solution. And in this case, the sol- being a part of the solution was to join the police force. And, you know, Sadi, it's, it's interesting. I was going through his... Instagram page um, because it still is live, you know, and he has things like a picture of him in front of a a sign that says work hard and stay humble. And then there's another one recently of a quote from uh, President Ronald Reagan that says, you know, there is no limit to the amount of good you can do if you don't care who gets the credit. And so it seemed like this is, you know, a philosophy that he was kind of living by, you know, and and inspired by and working by as a police officer. Absolutely. And get this, Asad, there was a lot of pressure on Dhaliwal from fellow Sikhs not to join police. I believe it. But he did and worked his way up all the while, petitioning the department for an official change in their uniform policy because he wanted to wear his turban. That's great. It took the department six years till 2015 to allow his beard and turban as part of his uniform. It was the largest law enforcement agency in the country permitting sick articles of faith at work. How beautiful is that? It's a remarkable story of, you know, exactly what representation means and him being able to have a beard and wear his turban did not impede on his ability to be a law enforcement officer. And so, you know, kudos to that law enforcement agency in hiring him and then also working to make it a uh, an equitable workspace for him. Hmm. And he used to wear a badge on his turban. As, do we want to talk about what turban really entails? You know, the turban covers their hair and for Uh, People that are sick, they don't cut their hair. And this represents a public commitment to maintaining the values and ethics of the tradition, including service, compassion, and honesty. So it's really, you know, a manifestation of their beliefs and and their religion. And by the way, he gained a lot of respect in Sikh and non-Sikh community for his advocacy. And he was known as a trailblazer, which he absolutely was. Certainly. You know, Sally, have you ever considered a position in law enforcement or public service? Uh, that's a tough question to answer, Asit. Simply put, no. I am 
a bit of a moralist when it comes to joining law enforcement. And I feel like there are so many systemic inequities within law enforcement that I won't feel comfortable doing that. But what about you? You know, I've never really considered it other than I'm sure when I was a child and that was kind of, you know, being a police officer or a firefighter or joining the army was, you know, what, what, you know, GI Joe was what I loved back when I was a kid. Hmm. Did you have GI Joe growing <laughs> Probably not in Pakistan, right? You didn't have GI Joe? I don't remember, but there were a lot of shows in Pakistan, especially in the 90s when Dish was introduced in the country. So, yeah, but I don't recall that particular show. Yeah, I was obsessed with, with G.I. Joe and, and then also just like Hulk Hogan of the World Wrestling Federation and this idea of like, you know, being, you know, American and, you know, there's nothing kind of quote unquote more American than being a police officer. I think, you know, that to many Americans. Right. And so I never really seriously considered it, but I'm sure, you know, as a child, it was one of those um, jobs that kind of appealed to me just as it does to most kids growing up. Do you think for non-white Americans, it could also be a way to elevate their status in the society. Oh, I think that's a that's a great point. I mean, similar to what um, Deputy um, Dalibal, you know, did. I think that there mm. are many people that see it as uh, whether that's serving in the military or serving in the police department or fire department or whatever as a way to, you know, elevate their their status in society. Right. Right. You know, and I and I will say there are a lot of people in that we know that are in our communities that are doctors or nurses. And, you know, that is also, you know, a big form of, of giving back as well. Hmm. That I am comfortable with. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Amazing. So Sadia, I want to understand Solis a little bit more. Can you talk to me about his background? Yes. I said, we do have some information and as much as we don't want to cover him, unfortunately, we have to give some context and background of the perpetrator as well. In terms of his criminal record, this guy has a substantial one that includes robberies, kidnapping, assault, and DUIs. Wow, I feel like we should have a bell every time, you know, you have a big criminal record like this. Uh, robberies, oh kidnapping, I mean, that's oh just like a, a full yes. list. What else is there? So he had previously been sentenced to 20 years for aggravated assault with a deadly weapon. Wow. An aggravated kidnapping in 2002, but was released early on parole. That's pretty alarming, Asad. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, a lot of things that we could dissect there. One, you know, obviously him being uh, sentenced to 20 years. Obviously, it seems like he did something pretty serious, uh, though I, you can't really tell what sentencing guidelines these days. But hmm. the hope is that prison or jail will help reform inmates. And, you know, I think the sad case is that, you know, in a lot of the country, they're for-profit enterprises and their incentive is to not rehabilitate inmates because they'll make more money if they get out and then come back in. Absolutely spot on, Asa. That's so true. Now, coming back to Solace, at the time of Dhaliwal's shooting, Solace had an active warrant for violating parole in 2017 by an aggravated assault. Wow. So it was unclear, Asad, if Dhaliwal had discovered the parole violation. Right. But the idea is that he probably would have as soon as he got to his car and, and run his name. Yes. Yeah. 
So now the passenger, Jennifer Saiz, who we mentioned in the beginning, testified that Solis had stated, and I quote, I am not going back to jail, unquote, while sitting in the car when he was pulled over. So it seems like he did not want to go back to jail at all. I think these are important points to make, and and that is if we're putting ourselves into Solis's shoes right now, you know, he's been pulled over and uh, Dhaliwal has, you know, his ID and he is freaking out because he doesn't want to go back to jail. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And what's really interesting is that Solis stated that he had given Dhaliwal a fake name when he was pulled over and thought the deputy would wrongly imprison him if he didn't make a citizen's arrest of Dhaliwal. But what about the ID? I, I don't understand his logic, Sadia. This doesn't make any I mean, again, we're trying to bring in logic to a situation where there's not a lot of logic happening. But where was the ID? What is this ID that they were talking about? And then the, the fact that he thought that he had to make a citizen's arrest of, of Dhaliwal? Yeah. I, I don't understand. That would never cross my mind. Exactly. And the interesting thing is he remembers and he admits to shooting but then he calls the incident a blur and that he did not intend to kill Taliwal. I mean, sure. Yeah, but then he did. And this is something that you and I discussed Asad, as we were discussing this case before our recording, that this guy doesn't want to go back to jail for a possible violation of his parole. But then he shoots a police officer. What was he thinking? What did he expect would happen? Exactly. I mean, again, like I go back to the logic, it makes no sense for you to think you don't want to go back to jail, but then you get out of your car and you shoot a police Police officer of all people twice, you know, and and think you're going to not go back to jail. It's just it's inconceivable. I said, I want to bring up something else. And I know some of our listeners may think that it's irrelevant, but I think it does matter. And on our platform, we are trying to raise important questions. Do you think, and again, you and I cannot read Solace's mind. We don't know what was going through his mind at the time. But do you think he would have done the same if the police officer was white instead of Deputy Sandeep Taliwal? Oh, wow. I mean, that's a that's a really fascinating question and something that we'll never know the answer to. I think we can make assumptions and whatnot. But yeah, I think that you can make the argument that, yeah, if it was a white police officer that Solace wouldn't have opened the door, wouldn't have gotten out of the car. But because, you know, Dhaliwal was a brown guy, you know, maybe there was some sort of inherent racism or uh, unconscious bias that made him think that he could get out and commit this crime and, and get away with it. Hmm. But uh, Sally, what do you think? As you said, Asad, it's a very difficult question. I honestly don't have an answer, but here's what I will say. I think all of us should sit with it, think about it. I think there's plenty of evidence out there to show that people react differently in different situations. Yeah, I think you're exactly right. So, Sadia, what ended up happening with Solis? So, I said Solis was charged with capital murder. He was given three attorneys at different times. He dismissed all his attorneys and asked to represent himself then later tried to get the judge dismissed. Prosecutors argued that Solis's motive was trying to avoid 
going back to jail. We also have a quote from police. They stated, and I quote, Thaliwal was shot in the back of the head by a convict who feared going back to prison. His killing is not suspected of being a hate crime, unquote. So the police basically ruled it out as a hate crime. Other victims of Solis, including a teenage girl, testified against him at the trial. Solis's ex-girlfriend claimed that she had called both the corresponding sheriff's office and parole officers responsible for Solis to report that he had violated parole and was dangerous. This is an important point to note, but no single organization was taking responsibility for following up. Oh my God. Video footage, which was shown during the trial, made the whole courtroom cry, except Solis. The trial only lasted a week and the deliberation less than half an hour. During the sentences, Solis requested an attorney, but the judge ruled it was too late, which made sense. Solis was convicted of capital murder on October 17, 2022 and sentenced to death within 10 days on October 26, 2022. Dolly, that, that is just crazy. You know, the fact that he fired three attorneys and tried to represent himself and didn't show any emotion, you know, when the video footage was shown. And the fact that, you know, one of the things that you brought up was that his ex-girlfriend tried to communicate with law enforcement that he was acting, you know, dangerously and violating parole and then they didn't do anything about it. You know, we've hmm. we've talked about this happening, you know, in previous episodes as well when law enforcement doesn't get it right and to really horrible consequences. And so, yeah, it's just so disheartening. But, you know, it's I think it's good that the the trial went according to plan and, and, right. and the jury, you know, got it right in this case for sure. Though I'm I am against the death penalty, I'll I'll just say that. Me too. Me too. That's what I was thinking. But sometimes it's so hard to say that we are against death penalty because then we see the kinds of crimes that are being committed. But at the end of the day, what does death penalty serve us? That's yeah, the question, right? For sure. Yeah. So Asad. What do you think? Was this a hate crime or not? Yeah, I mean, I think for me, based on all the stuff that we've talked about, I kind of agree with the prosecutors and the police that it seemed more likely that Solis just didn't want to go to jail. And, you know, he felt backed into a corner and reacted out of that kind of impulse as opposed to anything else, you know. In previous cases, we've seen the perpetrators say or do or post horrible things. We didn't see that in this case. So for me, this doesn't seem like a hate crime, though I hate it very much. Right. I kind of agree with you. You're right. Just by looking at his profile, Solis seems irrational. He seems pretty unhinged. And I think his primary motive may have been that he didn't want to go to jail, but then he ended up killing a police officer, which is in contradiction to what he was trying to do in the first place. And I have this nagging question about what he would have done 
if the police officer was white. So yeah, I mean, I am leaning more towards this not being a hate crime, but I have so many questions. And to be honest, Asad, I wish we could somehow ask Solis this question. And I know it's not possible and we don't have the resources or I'm not even sure if he would answer. But that's something that I really wish I could. No, I completely understand that that desire. And I think, you know, that's the unfortunate thing in a lot of these cases that we discuss is that we'll just never know the answers. And that's really tough. And to be honest, our goal is not to know all the answers. Our goal is to honor victims and amplify these voices and also bring attention to cases that are often forgotten, right? So whoever is listening, yes, we may not have all the answers, but these cases are so important and they need your attention. Yeah. I think, Sadi, one thing that I, I find interesting is this is our first case where the victim was actually a police officer. Yeah. And we were trying to investigate whether a hate crime could happen against, you know, a police officer, which obviously, you know, it can, you know, hate crimes can happen towards anybody. But it's it's interesting in that, you know, that scenario in which a lot of times we think about hate crimes in terms of, you know, who has the power in that kind of victim versus perpetrator relationship. And I, I think this was an, just an interesting case that you brought up with Deputy Donawal. Absolutely, Asad. But this also raises another important question. How do people and society in general view police officers and people within law enforcement who are not white? What kind of hierarchy does that set? Again, questions that we don't have answers for, but we would love to hear from our listeners if they have thoughts if they have any other information that they can send our way. Yeah. Sally, what was the reaction to what happened? So a lot of things happened. After Dalival's death, the nearby Houston PD formalized the allowance of articles of faith and other departments have followed, which is a great step for diversity and inclusion, a huge win. Vigils were held across the country and even in India and UK, Asad. Amazing. There were 17 GoFundMe accounts collecting money for his family and funeral expenses. Papa John's across Southeast Texas donated proceeds from the following Tuesday to Dalival's family, but the response and wait times got so out of control, Asad, that they had to extend the fundraiser to Friday. That's remarkable. A West Houston post office and portion of highway are now dedicated to him, named after him, basically, which, again, is so amazing. It's a testament to him and and how important he was as a police officer. Absolutely. Congresswoman Lizzie Fletcher of Texas and 15 fellow Congress people introduced a resolution in the House to honor him about a month after his death, which means October 2019, noting how he served with distinction, improved law enforcement's cultural understanding of six by fighting stereotypes, and was a growing example of the contributions that marginalized communities and religious minorities make to our country. The people for, of Texas and, and beyond came out to support him and his family, and 
and definitely our, you know, our thoughts are with the family as well. I mean, what a horrible thing that they've had to go through. And it's, you know, yeah, certainly remarkable how the community reacted. I said it's also a testament to who Deputy Sandeep Daliwal was yeah. and what he meant to the society and how he interacted with people from his community and the broader community. It's such a big loss and it is so sad. At the end of all these cases, whether victims are murdered or they are impacted and targeted in some other way, it just is so heavy. You know, by the end, I don't have words. Yeah. So let me ask you, Sadia, how people can help if they want to help. Yes, Asa, that's a great question. So here's what listeners can do. They can donate to the Harris County Sheriff Office Benevolence Association, assisting employees or first responders that have experienced catastrophic illness or loss. That's great. And, and so they will make a donation as well um, to the organization. And we encourage our listeners to do that as well. Thank you so much for listening to Invisible Hate, for spending some time with us. If you want to learn more, you can check out links in the show notes about the case. Please do email us your thoughts on this story or any other story that we've covered so far. Or if there is a story you want us to cover, you can reach us at info at invisiblehatepodcast.com. You can also tweet us at invisible, capital H, 8 pod, or hit us up on Instagram at invisible podcast, or you can simply search for invisible hate podcast. If you like what you hear, please do share it with a friend. And consider giving us a review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. That's how we grow. That's how we can sustain it and come back every week with an important story to share. Invisible Hate is a joint production of Refilion Media and Immigrantly. We would also like to thank our amazing team, which includes Michaela Strother, Isabel Havens, Lindsay Gambo, and Paroma Chakravarti. Our music was done by Simon Hutchinson. We will be back next week with another hate crime for us to analyze. I hope you can all join us then. Until next time, I am Sadia Khan. And I'm Asad Bhatt. See you soon.